Our text today comes from the book of Job, chapter 28. This is part of Job's reply unto his friends, his final speech, uh, before Elihu will take it up. Uh, it go, it's, a, it's a long passage. It goes from chapter 26 to uh, chapter 31, I believe. Uh, and so we're not we're going through it piecemeal. Chapter 28, though, is a, a reflection on the ways of wisdom, where it might be found, uh, what is its nature with man. And so we will look at it today. It does, in a tangential way, address the issues, as we shall see, uh, that Job's friends have brought up. But it's focused upon his Lord. Uh, We have seen as we have gone through how Job's burden and Job's grief has given way to insights through his grief of what the Lord is doing. And in many ways, this chapter anticipates what the Lord in chapter 38 and following will reveal unto uh, Job. Uh, and, And so Job, even before the Lord in the whirlwind teaches him, is already beginning to hear the voice of the Lord through wisdom. Uh, But but this will come in the reading and preaching of his word. And so let's pray that the Lord will bless the reading and the preaching of his word right now. Our Father and our God, uh, we come unto your word, your word which you inspired by your Holy Spirit, and that have by your Spirit preserved infallibly for us in our understanding and teaching and knowledge that we might be made complete in Jesus Christ for every good work. We ask, dear Lord, that you would yourself, in your spirit, dwell within our hearts this morning as we hear this word read and as it is preached, that we might hear you speak to us, that we might take it to heart, that your spirit would drive out every hardness of our heart, that it might not be taken up by the evil one and forgotten as soon as it is heard. We ask, dear Lord, that you would give us depth of heart, that we might not only receive it in the calmness and the serenity of your worship service, but that it would direct our way in the trials and the temptations and the hardships of our daily lives. We ask, Father, that your word would be so planted that it would root out all distractions from the world and that it would be precious unto us. We ask, dear Lord, that by it we would be instructed and taught and corrected and reproved, that we might bear the fruit of repentance from sin, that we might bear the fruit of faith and trust in your glorious wisdom who is your eternal Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and that we might render unto him obedience and joy and sincerity. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear now the reading of God's holy word from Job chapter 28. Surely there is a vein for silver and a place for gold where they find it. Iron is taken out of the earth and brass is molten out of the stone. He setteth an end to darkness and searcheth out all perfection, the stones of darkness and the shadow of death. 
The floods breaketh out from the inhabitant, and even the waters forgotten of the foot, they are dried up. They are gone away from men. As for the earth, out of it cometh bread, and under it it is turned up as it were fire. The stones of it are the place of sapphires, and it hath dust of gold. There is a path which no fowl knoweth, and which the vulture's eye hath not seen. The lion's whelps have not trodden it, nor the fierce lion passed by it. He putteth forth his hand upon the rock, he overturneth the mountains by the roots. He cutteth out rivers among the rocks, and his eye seeth every precious thing. He bindeth the floods from overflowing, and the thing that is hid bringeth he forth to light. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man knoweth not the price thereof, uh, neither is it found in the land of the living. The depths say, it is not in me. And the sea saith, it is not with me. It cannot be gotten for gold, neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. It cannot be valued with the gold of Ophir, with the precious onyx or the sapphire. The gold and the crystal cannot equal it, and the exchange of it shall not be for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of pearls, for the price of wisdom is above rubies. The topaz of Ethiopia shall not equal it, neither shall it be valued with pure gold. Whence then cometh wisdom? And where is the place of understanding? See, it is as hid from the eyes of all living and kept close from the fowls of the air. Destruction and death even say, we have only heard the fame thereof with our ears. God understands the way thereof, and he knoweth the place thereof. He looketh to the ends of the earth and seeth under the whole heaven to make the weight for the winds, and he weigheth the waters by measure. When he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, then he did see it and declare it. He prepared it, yea, he searched it out. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and apart from evil is understanding. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our Lord abides forever, and his people said, Amen. So Job comes to the way of wisdom and pondering it. Because this is part of the problem with Job's friends. They were men accounted wise, and they have come to him with their wisdom to, as chapter 2 mentions, or chapter 3, chapter 2, to comfort him and mourn with him. And yet they do neither of those things in all their wisdom. Instead, by their platitudes and their easy divinity, their easy theology, their superficial understanding, they have taken the the saint of God that is grieved by the hand of the Lord and accused him of secret sins which he did not commit. They have looked upon his hardship as proof of a hypocrisy. The man that they knew to be holy and wise and just, they have assumed to have only secretly been so because he suffers so. And they have prejudged him. Instead of taking the hard way of wisdom, they have rather let an innocent man be burdened with the reputation of a sinner and uh, a tyrant, and an oppressor, and a hypocrite. 
And that is Job's great grief. That he knows his heart to be right with the Lord. Uh, that he knows that, uh, that he is not suffering because of sin that he has committed. And he seeks for the vindication of the Lord. But it is important to understand in this, uh, this dialogue... And it's important to press upon his friends, and oftentimes it will be important for us to remember that, that part of the problem is, is that we think too much of our own wisdom and our own understanding. And we exalt our capacity for knowledge. Many of the problems that we are dealing with today result from an idea that man is, inca- is capable of all wisdom and all understanding, just given enough time and resources. And Job, as part of teaching his friends, but also part of, of remembering these truths for himself, reminds himself that he is but a man. That there are limitations that, in, uh, that we have inherent in our capacity. The old saying, the finite cannot contain the infinite, is, is very wise and true, particularly when it comes to mankind's abilities. And so Job turns to wisdom and seeks its way and how it is to be found and what, is capable of, what, what man is capable of. And... and he acknowledges in the first part. Now, the translations in our pew Bibles is good. It's fine. Uh, but it does interpret. The, the, it, is, it says he all the time. And sometimes uh, the, the translation makes clear that, that he refers to mankind. Uh, it's not as clear. in the, the, There is several different ways to interpret. But really, the gist of it is true. In the first 11 verses, we're dealing with... Uh, some of the great powers that man's kind, that man's wisdom is capable of. He can up in rivers and he can overturn mountains in search for uh, what he considers to be precious things. That largely the language here in the first eleven verses refers to uh, the mining of 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 valuables, gold, silver, uh, topaz. Jewels, sapphires, crystals, uh, those sorts of things. This, these were, uh, in their day, in our day too, what mankind values. Uh, and, and the mining operations re- really were one of the astounding achievements of technological uh, knowledge of mankind from a very early era. And, and he talks about the, the powers here. And these are things that the rest of the lower creation, at least, uh, those other creatures that mankind can see are not capable of. In verse 3, he sets an end to darkness. He puts it out. He lights light, fire, which is an important aspect of going into the deep tunnels of the earth. He searched out all perfection and the completion and the stones of darkness and even the shadow of death. He goes into the grave. The underworld. 7 and 8. There is a path which no fowl knoweth, and which the vulture's eye has not seen. The lion's whelp has not trodden it, nor the fierce lion passed by it. But mankind goes into it. 
in the region where Job lived. Not only did mankind go into it to mine out ores and, and, and precious stones and precious metals, but he went into it to carve out cities and homes. There are uh, amazing uh, habitations in uh, that area of the world. Syria, the, the lower part of Asia Minor, and, and, and parts of Palestine. Where, where mankind has done many astounding things for many an age. Uh, waters cannot stand against it. The flood breaketh out from the place where it is in verse 4. And the waters forgotten a foot. They are dried up. They are going away from then. And this refers to the, the, the problem of aquifers and those sorts of things to miners where you can cut through and all of a sudden where there was an unknown river, uh, it comes and drives you out. And yet, uh, while that is a hip cup and an obstacle, mankind can dry it up and send it away, divert it. Uh, in, in verse 11, He bindeth the floods from overflowing, and the thing that is hid uh, bringeth he forth the light. He dams up rivers and changes their course. There are some interesting things about this that man is doing here. We find that he does this for not spiritual reasons, and he doesn't even do it for social reasons and those invisible and tangible delights that man has, but in a very materialistic way. He's going after uh, precious metals that are precious because he's given them that value for gold and greed and money. That man can be quite wise when he is quite greedy. But everyone knows, including very often the greedy man himself, that that's not quite where life is. And not quite where happiness and joy is. And not quite where satisfaction is. Because generally the more you have, the more you want. And so the question is, where can it be found? True wisdom belongs to God alone, but where shall wisdom be found? Verse 12, where is the place of understanding? Uh, it's, it's answered in verse 23, God understands the way thereof, and he knows the place thereof. Uh, 12 through 22 is, is a searching uh, inquiry into where it is it. And to why it can't be found, it's beyond man's discovery. Man knows not the place thereof. He wouldn't even know where to go to get it. Uh, neither is it found in the land of the living. And the depths, they, it's not in me. And the sea, it's not in me. But not only that, even death says in verse 22, destruction and death. We have heard the fame thereof with our ears the dead, the, the underworld, the demonic, whatever, but they don't know it. Where does it come from? Verse 20. Where's the place of understanding? All the living grasp for it. But it can't be found. But not only that, it can't be purchased. Verse 15 to 19. There's no place you can go to buy it. And no price you can put upon it. Can't be gotten for gold, neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. It cannot be valued with the gold of a fear, the precious onyx or the sapphire. The gold and the crystal cannot equal it. The exchange of it shall not be given for jewels of fine gold. And no mention of these other great 
uh, valuable things that are hard to get, pearls, uh, coral, rubies, topaz. This is a, certainly an experience that while Job and Eliphaz, Job in his prosperity, Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar were wealthy men. Yet it was their experience that wealth and wisdom did not always go hand in hand. This is exhumed. I mean, for Job's discourse to, to make sense and to his friends, they themselves would have to begrudgingly uh, admit this. And we've seen that they do when they, uh, when they chastise the oppressor for his oppression, when they accuse Job in his wealth and prosperity of being a hypocrite, they assume that such a, well, a, a hypocrite and an oppressor could indeed be wealthy and hidden from the wise. And so even they understand that it's not so easy a thing to get it, even with all the advantages of wealth and leisure, uh, that one may have in this day and age. Uh, we often substitute for wisdom and intelligence a piece of paper uh, that indicates we paid a great deal of money so that we can be accounted wise and intelligent. A diploma or a degree uh, from certain institutions. And yet, that's not usually where uh, the great minds of the age come out of. Uh, even those that have to go back and get their, their credentials for, for whatever bureaucratic purposes, very often uh, that's not where their wisdom came. And certainly living a good life, that true wisdom that makes man happy, is altogether out of reach. But with God, with God it exists. He has it because all things come out of God's wisdom. It is the way all things exist. Verse 24 through 27, He looked at the ends of the earth and seeth under the whole heaven to make the weight for the winds, and He weighs the water by measure. Uh, he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning and the thunder. Then he did see it and declare it, prepared it, and searched it out. This is uh, a reference to uh, the, the, the sovereignty of God in things. This is a reference to that creator-creature distinction. That there are certain things because God is a creator. And not just in the, the pagan notion of that where God, lowercase g, is a superpower. He's one of many different beings that have characteristic of all other existed things. And he's sitting there building like you and I would be building something. You, when I build something, well, when I build something, you, you probably should give, pay no heed to it because it is not well built. But when I put something together, I'm going to be following instructions. And I might can follow those instructions very well, but I don't know the why and the well for uh, why this angle works and the other angle doesn't. Why it has to be put in this order and not another order. Why you have to drain this to do this over here. I don't understand those things. Some of you might. You can deal from the ground up. 
But none of us understands the working of the world and the human soul that way because we didn't build it. We didn't invent it. We didn't conceive and delight in it before it was, like the Lord God has done. There is a completely and utter distinction between what God does and what we do. God is being itself. He's, it's, very, it's a very accurate theological statement to say God is nothing. Right? God is nothing. Because he's not created. We think of a thing as something that can be bounded by our understanding, can be comprehended, that has limits, that has defining, which is another way of saying has limits, definis, it has a, a, a thing we can go. We can't define God except to say what he is not. And that is limited. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Is another way of saying there are all these things we cannot say about God. He is a spirit. That way he's not a physical object. He is infinite. He has no limits. That's Infinite is a negative word. He is unchangeable. He doesn't change. But we don't understand what that unchanging thing is. He's eternal. He's not bound by time. He's outside it. And we can't even conceive of that. Because we have to have a, a, you know, one thing follows another thing and another thing. And there's, there's time. There's, we think in space. We think in depth. We think in time and sequence. Because we're part of what is built. But God stands completely out of that. And to think that we can have the secrets of the universe in our hand, to think that we could figure ourselves out as if we had created ourselves, is arrogant, prideful, and full of hubris, stupid and designed to fail. It won't work. And we need to understand that. We need to understand the limits and the, of our own capacity. To truly understand the world, we have to recognize that we're part of it. And we have people today that forget that mankind is a part of nature. And so every time they speak of anything that mankind has done, they speak as if he's some foreign alien parasite on the world. And that they are willing to do... and. God forbid they ever get the money, and some of these people have a lot of money, to do the crazy schemes that they think can undo the sin of human nature. Blot out the sun. That's the most current one. That's just ridiculous. It's demonic and it's hubris. And it's based on the fact that mankind is almost like a bratty little child that's never been set, told no and doesn't understand that there are limits. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Part of that is to say that we understand we are but a creature in the face of a creator. In Proverbs chapter 3, in, in extolling, also uh, of a section extolling the, 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 the valuableness of wisdom and how it cannot be 
the, um, uh, had a price put on it. It says this about wisdom. The Lord by His wisdom, or by wisdom, hath founded the earth. By understanding hath He established the heavens. By His knowledge the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. These things are not the, the product. They're not subject to our understanding and wisdom. They are the product of His. In the beginning was the Word or the wisdom of God and the Word was God. It was with God and the Word was God. And by Him all things were created that were created. When we're speaking of wisdom of God, we're speaking of the Son of God as well. In Psalm... Uh, 135. The psalmist, in a bit of a different context, but nevertheless to the same point, in verses 5 through 7. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth, in the seas and all the deep places. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightnings for the rain. He brings wind out of his treasuries. These are things beyond our capacity to truly understand. And we think because we can predict the weather in a certain way that we understand the wind. But the wind is a great mystery still today. The fact that it exists is a great deal of wisdom to be had. The whys of the wherefores are something that, that, that scientists still argue about. And so the way that we... Get on the path of wisdom. The way of wisdom for us is different than speculation and and thinking we can have everything figured out. The way of wisdom for us is much more practical. In fact, even human speculative reason has to be controlled and bounded by its practical application. This is what we have in verse 28. And And he unto man... The Lord has said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. That Job's friends thought they had it all figured out. They thought they could delve into the secret ways of God and figure out Job's problem. Zophar, as much as says this, in chapter 11, verses 5 and 6, Oh, that God would speak and open his lips against thee, and that he would show thee the secrets of wisdom, that they are double of that which is, which is probably even more than that. Know, therefore, that God exacts of thee less than thy iniquity deserves. Uh, what Zophar starts off well to say that God is, is, does things with a way that we can't figure out, but he does it only to, to fortify his prejudice and, and to blame Job. This goes against what Moses says in the law, Deuteronomy 29, 29, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed by God belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. There's a humility and an obedience implied in true wisdom. We are called to humble ourselves before the Lord. Note how Job describes here the, tr- the, the way of man. Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. 
turn to the very first chapter and the very first verse and listen to how Job himself is described. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. That's where true wisdom lies. That's what, that's what his friends should have seen. That there is this man who, as far as they could see, feared God and eschewed evil. Therefore, his sufferings must have another purpose than that punishment that they just assumed was due him. And they should have gone in and uh, commiserated with Job in order that they too might have the wisdom that Job was clearly being brought to understand. The obedience to the Lord makes us wise. There is a certain sense in which, you know, sometimes, especially in modern uh, church, Protestant church, evangelical churches, we say we, we want deeds, not creeds, or, or we reverse that. Uh, we want doctrine and not our, or we want practical stuff. But they go together. God teaches us that we might understand and that we might do. And we understand God through the doing. In Psalm 111, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments. His praise endureth forever. Because once, if you fear the Lord, then those things He reveals Himself, you're going to... You're going to do. Now, there's several different fears of the Lord. There's the fear of the Lord, like the man that received one talent and knew his master was a harsh taskmaster, and so he buried it, and so that he would have at least what he had. And that man, uh, that fear was a, as a, was a fear that crushed his religion and was not a true understanding fear of the Lord. There are those that have a selfish fear of the Lord that fear his punishment, and, and that can be made to be a good thing, that they finally see His glory and His mercy and come to relish Him. But the fear that, that, that the Proverbs are speaking of, that the New Testament enjoins upon us, is to fear God based on His height, His utter differences from the, create, the creature. That He is beyond our capacity. And to remember that He nevertheless has put His attention on us. He cares for us. He's governing us to be... To be humbled by at once this great magnitude of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and our lowliness, and yet to have that attention paid upon us. Like a child that realizes or believes his father is a great hero, and that he has the privilege of being that, that father's child, will make him want to please his father. And render unto him obedience to be like him, to follow in his ways. That is true wisdom. And in Ecclesiastes, at the very uh, last um, uh, verses of Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon writes, he says, Let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Because God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or or whether it be evil. Jesus himself teaches us that, that it is through obedience that we come to clarity of understanding. In John chapter 7, verses 16 and 17, Jesus answered them, My doctrine is not mine, but he that sent me. 
If any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Obedience gives him an insight into the verity of Scripture. By the way, it's the way some people can read Scripture, and it's just a dead letter to them because they have no intention of being obedient to it. And others, because they desire to be shaped by the revelation of the Lord, find the fullness of understanding in Scripture because they humbly approach it. Jesus says in John 8, verses 42 and following, uh, says to them, He says, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I proceed forth and come out from Him. Neither came I of myself, but He sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You are the, of the, your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and bode not in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, because he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. In other words, just as they would understand him if they were obedient, it's because of their disobedience that they lack wisdom and do not understand him and receive him. So what are the uses for us? So real quick. Uh, first, it should be immediately obvious to you, I kind of foreshadowed it anyway, uh, that this reveals a great deal about our modern predicament. We can do amazing things as human beings. We could tap into the earth today, we still mine just as they mined and. Job's day with a great deal less people and a great deal more productivity and with amazing power. I mean, it's, it's funny. You look at books and you see this big old pickup, tr- uh, the dump truck, and, and then you, you zero in on it and you realize that that dump truck is not like the Tonka truck or the truck that's riding down the highway in front of you. It's the human being is there and the, the truck is about this. The tires are like two or three stories high. In some of these mining operations, mankind uh, can do amazing things. But it doesn't always ask, should we? The the movie Jurassic Park and the famous line, you were so busy, uh, excited about what you could do, you never thought whether you ought to have done it. Well, that comes out of wisdom. These people in, in whatever lab they were in in Wuhan with... Uh, federal money and Chinese money and doing these, these experiments and about dangerous biological warfare. Why are we doing that? Do we really think, did we really think that we could contain that? Or even more nefariously, did we really think that only people with the right motive would be doing such things? And wouldn't release it for their own reasons. I don't, I don't know what happened. But obviously, you and I both know that this world is run by either idiots or nefarious people or both. Because we can do a great deal, but we never think about the limits of humanity. There are people out there that are trying to figure out how to program a computer so we can upload our memories into it and live together in a computer. That's out there, people. It's evil and wicked and stupid, and all they're going to do is die. And there will be some record of their memories. 
it don't go on forever. Hubris blinds us to our ignorance of consequences. They thought they could shut down the spread of a virus by shutting down all of human activity and what makes us human. And all they did was increase suicide and depression and, and a weakened an immune system. Because they didn't think it through. Because they weren't capable of seeing all the variables. Because they're human beings. And sinners, on top of that. But even just being human beings is enough. The Lord will not, this is the great hope and the beauty of it, the Lord will not let hubris exist forever. Every time in human history, when mankind has thought that he has achieved godhood, when he's built his tower of dabble unto the heavens, God strikes it down. It's not exactly a scriptural quotation, although it's based on a phrase in, in Proverbs. The larger they are, the harder they fall. Pride goeth before a fall. And we are to, you ought to be spiritually prepared. You ought to know where your allegiance lies. Because this civilization, our civilization, is in full hubris, pride, and arrogance, and it will fall. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But our great comfort is that you have what you need for every situation, including these sorts of situations. That God has not left his wisdom or his people to grope around in darkness, but he's revealed himself to us. The secret things of the Lord are revealed by his spirit to our spirit. Or as Paul puts it with Timothy, he says that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise until salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. But not only that, not just letters on a page, Christ Himself, God the eternal wisdom of God came in the flesh and did what He requires you to do. In Matthew 16, 24, He says, If any man will come after Me, that is, follow Me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Me. And He can say that because He denied Himself for your salvation. He took up that awful cross where he has, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me for your salvation? And he gives us the practical wisdom to fear God and obey his commandments. To fear God, to deny our own selves, but to fear God and to take up the cross and take up his obedience in the midst of a hard time. And that is the way of wisdom. That is the way of blessing. And that is the way of life and even satisfaction. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all those other things that we think will satisfy, he will, be, he will bless us with. Let's pray. Our Father and our God.
We come in the name of Jesus Christ, your eternal wisdom. We come humbly. We recognize, dear Lord, that we have nothing to commend ourselves to you but his grace, that love that you already had to us before the foundation of the world. We only return to you what is your own. We ask, dear Lord, that you would hold us in hard times. We ask that even when we uh, reach the limit of our understanding and wisdom, that we would not despair, but remember just to submit and trust you. And we ask that you would give us to see the good that you work in all things. Give us the perseverance to carry a cross. Give us to follow Christ Jesus and define our all in all in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.